This is Rewind, let's watch that again with Rochelle and Zach. We're off to Neverland in this episode as we fly into the 1991 film Hook. During this episode, we're going to talk about how during the filming of the movie, one of the actors or actresses literally was living the life of a future movie that they shoot about eight years later. Stick around and clap if you believe in fairies. Clap! Clap! Clap for Tink! So we all kind of know the story of Peter Pan by now, so going into a lot of depth would be kind of pointless. The storyline that sets Hook aside is this. Peter Pan is now Peter Banning in the real world and has no memory as of yet that he is Peter Pan, and he's shown early on to be a business lawyer and not the greatest father. He flies to England for a celebration. <laughs> he flies. I just not thought about that because <laughs> he, he flies on an airplane. Scared. <laughs> Scared. Very scared. Oh, yeah. Ironically, very scared, very scared of flying. Yeah. Uh, that's. I was just now thinking that because he flies to England, but not as Peter Pan. Anyways, oh my gosh, goodness me, my tangent went crazy, dude. <laughs> he flies to England for a celebration of his adopted family, Wendy, for her charity work. It is thought by the youngest daughter and Wendy that she is the real Wendy from the story Peter Pan and Wendy. But oh well, anyway, while they're at this event, the children are kidnapped by Captain Hook. Pete is whisked away to Neverland fearfully by Tinkerbell and tries to get his kids back as Peter Banning. He's unsuccessful and Hook is just going to kill Pete and is disappointed because he doesn't get to have his expected war with Pan. Tink talks Hook into giving Peter three days to find himself. In these three days, literally on day three, after a grueling effort by the Lost Boys to get Peter to realize his Pan side, Peter finds his pan side through the happy thought of the birth of his oldest son, Jack. He then gets a wicked cool makeup and hairdo, along with green spandex, and goes to battle Hook. He defeats Hook and comes back home in realization that he can bring joy from Neverland into the real world and be one awesome dad. Holy moly, if they didn't do another Carpe Diem sees the day nod, the more we discover about these movies the more we see how these actors, producers, writers, and directors make subtle nods to previous works they have either made or starred in. We talked about it in our first episode about the, with the Carpe Dentum sees the teeth, 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 the teeth of, sorry. But it was the quote from Toodles as he's flying off saying, seize the day at the very end of the movie. How cool. But do you remember this part? Smee says, good morning, Neverland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you like, mentioned that. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to put that in the podcast. And I totally spaced it. Whenever. Because Good Morning Vietnam good morning was in the Vietnam. 70s. He does that the very first time we see them when he's like presenting like, the hook. hook. Yeah. Hook. Yeah, he's hook. presenting the hook. hook. And that, yeah. yeah. That's super cool they put that in there. And it, it makes you wonder, like, I guess we really wouldn't know. But whose idea was it? Was it like Spielberg's idea to put it in because of... Um, like a little ha 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 ha. Or would it have been um, Robin Williams himself, like just ad-libbing it in there? I would almost go with Robin Williams because he was the master of ad-libbing, in my opinion. He did it so much in Mrs. Doubtfire that we learned that I 100% 
think it's that versus yeah. being Spielberg. I agree, but this is one of those things that where it has to be more than just Robin Williams is doing it too. So yeah, I don't know. I do, I don't know. I think that's really really good point though. That yeah. that is super cool though. I was literally I wasn't even going to finish the movie as he's flying off terribly CGI. <laughs> And I was like, 91 was amazing so know, don't don't be hating but i was i was about to shut it off and then he turns around and he's like seize the day i was like you have got to be kidding me <laughs> gotta be kidding me right meow meow <laughs> so in a marist poll 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 don't papa she's <laughs> <laughs> what is your name? Pierre Noel. <laughs> no, your name. Babo Natale. Pierre Nicole. Papa Gijo. <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway, this was the result of result. This was the result of results. <laughs> this was the result of 2018. About 29% Americans wish they could travel on time, and second, 20% wish they could fly, 17% wish they could teleport, and 12% wish for invisibility. For those who don't know what the Marist Poll is, it was founded in 1978, and it's a national public opinion poll operated by the Marist Institute in a public opinion. MIPO. M-I-P-O. MIPO. <laughs> on, on the campus of Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Yeah, the Marist Institute for Public Opinion in Poughkeepsie. So what would you have wished your power to be? Well, that's my question to you first. I want to know yours. Because I think I know yours, but maybe I don't. Cause invisibility, because I'm a nosy person. Mine 100% is invisibility. But, but... I, after watching The Boys, which is definitely not PG, so if you are... Like on Amazon and, Prime, just if you're for those listening, and you are not 18 years old, do not watch it. Uh, but it's I messed uh, up seeing that if you <laughs> if you die as an invisible person, it's really easy to hide you, <laughs> and so <laughs> you're not going to get found. That's very a, easily. it's a very gory superhero one. It's actually probably more realistic of. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just whatever, it's weird. But, but I, just, I don't I think know. It'd but be either cool, way. But I think it would be cool to be invisible, honestly, because um, you could do a lot of things. But once again, you have to be super careful because if you cross the road and you're invisible, no one's going to swerve to miss you. My power, though. So I would say invisibility or wa- or invincibility walk- or being able to walk through walls. But after Harry Potter... I wish to apparate, a.k.a. teleport. I would be on time for every single thing in my no, life. No, you would not. Yes, I would. No, you 100%. would not. 100%. I could just go. No, Rochelle, Whenever you're supposed to be at church by 11. <laughs> you don't leave the house until 11.05. So you're going to be five minutes late no matter what. I would be there right as the music's starting. Okay, so we've been asked to do some prequels to the Star Wars films, and that would be too much for me personally to handle. Star Wars filmography in itself would be an entire podcast, not just one episode. I do like Star Wars, but don't get me wrong, there's a lot more people who are more diehard fans, and that would just get angry if I even tried to touch the saga. I just, I couldn't touch it because 
they're a lot more knowledgeable than I am. And I'd have a lot of people be like, oh, oh you don't know. Same. I'd say, yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah. Same with Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. We love them all. Yeah. But, but we're not going to do them we, because there's, there's yeah. too many of those diehards that are just going to get upset if we even make a mistake or say something wrong. And we would never want to do that. We're just trying to do this for fun. So if you're wanting me to do a Star Wars one, I can't do that. But I would delight you in knowing that there is kind of a um, a link. So I had a friend that kind of spoke out and wanted me to do a Star Wars one. And I can't do her that one. But I can tell you there's a link between this movie and Star Wars. Do tell. So... Uh, there's a scene at the very beginning whenever Peter is being taken off to Neverland. He does it begrudgingly, uh, and Tink's carrying him away, uh, basically against his will, like I said, and they fly over an unsuspecting couple having a romantic kiss on a bridge. There's pixie dust flying everywhere, and it makes this unknown couple begin to lift off in flight, as I'm sure they're thinking some happy thoughts. Wink, wink. Because <laughs> they're, they're kissing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, there's this this couple is none other than Carrie Fisher and George Lucas in a cameo. Carrie Fisher was not only an actor, but she also was a script doctor that helps. To, and if you don't know what a script doctor is, script doctors help develop characters, dialogue, etc. For characters, kind of like giving them more of a characteristic in a film, make it more realistic and believable. Yeah, just to just to give it uh, um, more like more feeling to it, tangible. And, and that's what that's what Carrie was actually hired in. She was uncredited, but she was hired in to do that for the female roles. It wasn't said specifically; it was for uh julia roberts but it was it was said to be for those female roles and then uh george lucas was good friends with the director spielberg and so kind of just as a little cameo and obviously carrie fisher because of their past work and kind of as this little hidden cameo that's them hugging and and kissing on the on the bridge and floating into the air yeah and also whenever we watched it you saw that and you you said that uh uh, young Wendy is Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. And that's, you know, that was a really great choice too, because she does, even though she, we should have looked into this. I doubt it though, but she looks like she could be related to Madame Maggie Smith. Well, speaking of that, I can't remember how old she was during this movie. She's probably a lot younger. She was only in her fifties and they yeah, had to make her look a lot really older. Old. Yeah. She, she has always to me, looked old wait is that so holy moly that's that that's yeah. for harry potter yeah that's professor mcgonagall yeah why didn't i realize that but she's also the i can't think of the character's name but she's also in secret garden that helps take care of um mary she's like the kind of old I, I don't really crotchety know. I, I don't woman. know the movie well enough to... oh, i love secret garden I, i've seen it once love but it. But anyway, she's always, she's just one of those people, just like with your grandparents, they've always seemed old to you. She has always seemed old. She doesn't look like she's really changed much in my 33 years of life. But when you actually sit down and look at her, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, she actually was a whole lot younger than I realized in this movie and Secret Garden but then she, of course, looked a whole heck of a lot older, but she also was battling cancer in Harry Potter. Isn't that weird how we think of our grandparents and we always think of them as old? Mm-hmm. But like now we have kids 
and our parents are their grandparents. Being that old. They're not that old uh, at all. Uh-uh. And it's kind of weird how we think that. That's right. Interesting. Right. I thought it was very interesting that in the beginning, when Wendy was telling the story of Peter Pan to the children for the first time, that she credits her neighbor, James Barry, or J.M. Barry, who was actually the creator of the Peter Pan novel. She states he liked their story so much of hearing about Neverland, he wrote them down in a book. I read an interesting article about the making of Pan on theweek.com. So the first time Pan was written about on paper, he shows up in a book titled The Little White Bird, written by Barry in 1902. The book and the character Pan became so affectionate by the readers that Barry wrote a play in 1904 called Peter Pan, or The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up. During the play, audiences are introduced to other characters that we have adored from the different films, such as Captain Hook, Wendy, Tinkerbell, The Island of Neverland. In this play, though, Pan is seen as the evil character of the story. He would steal children from their beds at night if the windows were to be left open and that Captain Hook was later added to give the audience something to watch while a new stage was being set up. I do want to quote something in particular about the article that I read when Dr. Lester D. Friedman and Dr. Allison Cavey wrote a book called Second Start to the Right, Peter Pan and the Popular Image. I loved two ideas that both of these writers wrote about. Friedman says in the story, the hungry croc is time and Captain Hook is death. These are both things that Pan is constantly trying to avoid. Cavey states that Pan escapes aging because he is already dead. She quotes saying, There is the sense that Neverland is the place that sick children go in their minds, but some never get to come home. Wow. Yeah, that actually kind of popped in my head while I was watching the film because I was thinking, you know, what if this is all a dream? You mentioned at the very beginning because... The room decor it references like Neverland, so like the battle, the battle. Yeah. Uh, Toodles has a scale ship uh, of the Jolly Roger. Um, the clasp on the window looks is, like a hook. Is, looks just like yeah. a hook. Yeah, and, and so uh, it made me feel as like you know, is this maybe a figment of his imagination? They then reference it in the movie whenever Hook is like about to kill Pan whenever they're doing their battle and he's like, this is just a dream. This isn't real. You're going to wake up, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what if this is real? And, and then too, it was like, maybe they are like these kids that are there are like stuck. Like they are in a time between heaven and hell. Like they're either dead or dying or like, not want to say ghost, but like this is like a purgatory or that they're kind of stuck in. Like they're really, really sick little children. The kids don't want to die. The kids, no, the kids aren't wanting to die. They don't ever and... want to grow up. They want to stay kids forever. And you know, um, the kids did ask, how did they, how did Peter Pan get to Neverland? How did he find it? Because really in the movie, it shows him in a little carriage. Somehow he willed himself to scoot along <laughs> because he heard his mom talking about him going to college and stuff like that. So, I mean, that does kind of make you go, hmm. Well, okay. So I have a theory on this after okay. I kind of watched it again. We do see that Peter comes back from time to time uh, and... Whenever he comes back, we see him come back to visit his family to see how they're doing as a younger boy. 
maybe he, and and he just kept visiting other people in other windows who wanted to see him. Maybe him spending time outside in the real world aged him while he was here. That that's my whole theory behind it is that, I mean, he didn't age very much, but he came. He, he would come. I don't know how he. I don't know as a baby how he learned learned to fly to the real world. Well, but. Tinkerbell got came there to him, but how did he know to get away from his mom and run away? As he says, he was a baby; he couldn't walk. Yeah, that's what he I'm rolled away. I'm trying to say. So the first time, this is my theory. I have no idea if this is true, but the first time he rolled away, and then he came back to visit his family. Like the storyline didn't match up very well, but the he came back to visit his family to see how they were doing, and. They had a new baby there. The window was shut. So mm-hmm. he found other people that had open windows and that included Wendy. Uh-huh. Uh, but that maybe Wendy's wasn't the first window ever. Like there could have been years span in between those to where oh, he, definitely. Was, he was coming and visiting people. And as he's here, he's getting he, days, a little bit and days and days and days that's older. How, that's how he gets. Because, yeah, because I would I would agree with that. Because when you're in Neverland, essentially time stands still. Correct. It's. Like a millisecond of our life here. I wouldn't even say a millisecond. I would say no second. Nano. There's no movement. There's no aging. Like they, yeah, they stay the same no matter what. And then the moment you come into the real world, you age. And he probably visited over here so much yeah. that that happened. And it then, would accumulate. Yeah. It, would, it would accumulate to get him older and well, older. And so in this thing that reading too, do you remember, you've not gotten there yet, but in once upon a time for anyone that's watched once upon a time peter pan is viewed as a villain in the show and he's also kind of like a dual character of the pied piper the pied piper would lure children away from their homes playing music and that's almost like what i just read here that peter pan would lure these kids away from home and bring them to neverland so like as an evil character so I kind of, you know, that just clicked like that little nod to the original story, yeah. essentially, before Disney-fied, of course. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That it, huh. it, it kind of makes you think about these things because this whole process of how did he get older, it kind of spurs that. That also makes me think, too. I don't know. I hope you have this answer because I really don't. I didn't look it up. I should have. I don't know why I didn't because this has always bothered me. What is the deal with Peter Pan and his shadow? Like, do you understand it? Like, they they tug and they fight and they have different, like, emotions. And the, the shadow helped, you know, uh, Peter, before he became Pan as the adult in this film, like, find himself. But... <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what the relationship really is between him and his own shadow. So my thinking is one for comedy for kids to think it's funny for someone to be playing with their shadow because that's using your imagination. Because as a kid, if you were outside, you would play with your shadow. You would follow it, see if it does what you do and everything. And what would you do if your shadow all of a sudden started doing something differently than you? You start to play, you know, so he's playing with it for one. So that's just the imagination part there. But it also includes the magic of Neverland because not everything in Neverland is like it is here. I'm wondering, though, like, I I feel like there's something more behind it. Like, maybe like it's almost like a sign of the aging or death, like how that one uh, doctor talked about that the 
crocodile is time and Captain Hook is death and he's always trying to stay away from those things. Like, no matter what, your shadow's always there looming behind you. I don't know. Like, and your it's always Your shadow's dark. always got your back. Okay, anyways, this has been Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, you said the shadow helped him find stuff and whatnot. Your shadow's always with you. It's always got your back. Uh, check, please. <laughs> I think that's a legit thought there, okay? Oh. oh. You asked for my opinion. Don't be hating. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I'll just not ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just joking. After looking into some things about the cast uh, while they were filming, I found a mixed bag of information. The biggest one being is uh, some issues that were on set with Julie Roberts. So I, w- I want to... Make sure I say this known now that I have no problems with Julie Roberts. She's great. Oh, whatever. I, My favorite actress. She's she's a great actress. But Love her movies. I do know that there were some issues during this filming. Uh, Julie Roberts was at this time an A-list celebrity. She was known for some of her films like Mystic Pizza, Still Magnolias, Pretty Woman, Flatliners, and Sleeping with the Enemy. All were before this film. I did see that. Julie Roberts recently split up with her boyfriend, Keither Sutherland. Her fiance. Yeah, well, it wasn't the prettiest of breakups. So it kind of drove me down a rabbit hole on eOnline.com. In 1991, Julie Roberts was set to marry Sutherland on June 14th, and they were going to be exchanging vows on a 20th Century Fox soundstage in front of 100 and 200 guests. But on the wedding day... Sutherland was spotted moving out of their shared home while Roberts was on a lunch date with his and her friend and his Lost Boys co-star, Jason Patrick. Roberts and Patrick flew off together to Dublin, Ireland, while she was in the middle of filming Hook, and on screen rant, I saw it frustrated Spielberg almost to the point of recasting her. He was just so frustrated. She, She was going through what he called, I saw in another article, you know, we go through highs and lows in our life, she was in a low point in her life, like bad, bad things were going on. And I did think, you know, how crazy too, this is kind of, I don't know why it's so, it flips me to be so crazy, but these, like this love triangle were between these two guys, uh, Sutherland and Patrick. These guys were both in a movie together called The Lost Boys, and it has nothing to do with Peter Pan. Anyways, I, I, I feel sorry for her. I don't know what was going on. I do know, like, she even, during the filming I saw somewhere, that she might have had some mental anxiety and had to be, um, I don't want to say hospitalized, but I don't, because I, I didn't know 100% for sure, uh, but I did see she had some anxiety issues during the filming, and and she the filming took longer than expected, not necessarily just because of her, but uh, her flying away in the middle of filming did not help it whatsoever. So this was kind of like my reference that I was making at the very beginning of the episode, not mocking or making light of the situation whatsoever, but it kind of put like a literal runaway bride situation in there. So we know that Julia Roberts, about eight years later, played in the role uh, Runaway Bride, where she was leaving men at the altar. And it was like, as I was researching this and I found that out, I was like, oh my goodness, this seems so much like it was for her in the movie. Now, don't believe whatsoever those things are related, but it was just shocking that it was so similar to something that she had lived in real life. Yeah, the irony in it. In multiple places, I see this point referenced, and I remember this too from the musical play 
of Peter Pan. I can't think of what her name was, but of the woman that played Peter Pan. I loved. Oh, I'm brain farting her name. It'll hit me later after we're done, I'm sure. But I loved watching this at my babysitters. She would she would say in there, Peter Pan would say, when when Tinkerbell drank the poison, clap if you believe in fairies, clap. And this clapping was actually for the audience for the play format, but it made its way into movies too. If they kind of reference it in this movie, at least they do in this one, but they left it out of the original, like 1956 or whatever. The cartoon, the Disney yeah. cartoon, they, yeah. They left it out, but they they brought it back in Mary. just kind of as like a, a a remembrance or whatever, because it was the Peter Pan. Obviously, we said that the story of Peter Pan came as a play first. It was mentioned in a small book, that bird book, but. Uh, it was a play format, and so they would clap. You know, they'd have the interaction between the audience um, to clap if they believed to help revive her. So Mary Martin, that's who it is. Mary Martin played Peter Pan, and I absolutely loved, loved watching it, seeing her try to put her shadow. She it was one of those you forget it was a she, but it's really it is a she playing Peter Pan, trying to put her shadow back on, but as pantyhose, she's using soap to Ah, I loved, 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 loved that version watching it. Um, but yeah, that makes complete sense now. You know, they're trying to keep the audience engaged, especially if there's little kids in the in there, you know. I don't think I can do a Peter Pan episode and not mention the song Lost Boy by Ruth B. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. It came out about seven years ago or so, and it is absolutely amazing. Ruth B has a beautiful voice, uh, but you got to be careful. This song is going to get stuck in your head all day long. It is so good. It and, is and very good. The cool thing, too, it's played, it's a simply played on the piano, uh, and it's super easy. So it's something that even a novel, a novel piano player could pick up and play, or a guitar player, and be able to sing along with it. If you have kids in elementary school, guaranteed it has probably been something they've sang in music class. Your kids at their school. And then my child at her school, two different school districts have sang that song and they absolutely love that song. Yeah. Listen to it. Lost Boy by Ruth B. You won't highly you recommend won't, it. Won't be uh, sad that you did. So You'll probably blame us actually. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Rewind. Let's watch that again. Please look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under the same name and follow us for updates on future episodes. Each new episode will drop every Wednesday, where we'll go into depth on another film we consider to be a classic in the 90s and 2000s. Also, feel free to send us an email about what you thought, or if you have any comments on the show. You can contact us via those social media outlets, or email us at rewind, let's watch that again, at yahoo.com.